would you want him to kick you in the shins <laughs> for saying something like that? Well, no. Or if you've got a kid like mine, they'll be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've made it a goal, sometimes stated, sometimes not. I want to be the nicest person somebody sees today. It's a simple statement, but if that were actually lived out, if we value that as a country, sadly, we're probably getting the politicians we deserve. <laughs> Welcome to Living Beyond Your Memes, where we try to help Christians get beyond talking points and pat answers and engage the world around us the way Jesus did. I'm your host, Brian LaCroix, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh Latterell. In this episode, we're talking about the golden rule in our interactions. Josh, welcome. We're at another uh, episode where we're talking about the foundational walls that we're talking a little bit about. But before we get into that, uh, as we've been trying to make a habit on these podcasts once in a while, I just want to visit about what we're reading lately and what we're listening to. So what have you had on the table lately? Uh, well, I think I mentioned it on our last episode. I'm reading a book called The uh, Psychology of Totalitarianism yeah. by some Belgian guy that I can't remember <laughs> the name of. It's interesting. I think he makes some good points. There's a lot of overlap between how Christians see like being blind and then seeing and sort of having almost worshiping human intellect versus mm -hmm. having humility and seeing the, the creation as something that has intelligence and purpose and design. Uh, now, it's not an explicitly Christian book. I think mm -hmm. he goes a little bit different direction with his concept of God and living universe and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, but makes some really good observations, sometimes applies them to things that I wouldn't necessarily apply them to. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of a thought provoking read, I think it's a really good one. I can see a lot of nuggets to pull out of there. So I'll be cool. cranking on that for a long time. Excellent. How Excellent. about you? I recently started a biography of Buster Keaton the famous uh, silent film star of the 20s, particularly the 20s. One of his films, The General, is considered to be one of the best films ever made in all of history. And uh, it's a classic, classic movie. But I love history and I love biographies. And this was a very uh, inexpensive get for my Kindle. <laughs> so I'm reading it on my Kindle. And uh, I only heard of Buster Keaton once or twice before. And a few years ago, I I found a two-DVD set with two Charlie Chaplin films. One of his was the classic The Kid, and the other disc was two Buster Keaton movies. And I thought, I'd heard of him, but I've never seen any of his movies. And boy, they were phenomenal. And I've watched all of those over and over and over and over again. Uh, in fact, I just watched The General just a few days ago. But the biography is fascinating, like most Hollywood celebrity biographies are and he uh, was a filmmaker in the teens and 20s of the of the 20th century and uh, uh, Hollywood is just getting its start and there was a climate and a, and a, uh, a culture there um, that is not one I would want to be partaking of as far as morals and activities and that kind of thing uh, but um, just the physical things he did the relationships he had with his parents 
his wife um, and her family, uh, as well as other actors and actresses and directors and producers and all that sort of stuff. It's just interesting. And, and uh, uh, he was a complex character. I'm only uh, about maybe a third of the way through the, the book right now, but it's been fun. Uh, it's easy for those things to let me interrupt the other reading I do, which right now I'm, I'm also in Andy Stanley's book, Not In It to Win It. Excellent book there. Just uh, his whole attitude of, you know, we need to make sure that we don't make winning in politics the end goal. That uh, we our main job is to be citizens of heaven and and reflect Christ. And I've only haven't gotten too far into this. I'm in a sense uh, anticipating that that is really what it's going to be about. But I like Andy Stanley, and uh, I think he and I are going to see eye to eye a lot in this book, uh, just as I did with Eugene Cho's book on, uh, you know, uh, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. So, uh, and then also been listening to a new podcast recently um, called Truth Over Tribe by uh, a couple of pastors. I can't remember exactly where they're at, but uh, really thought-provoking stuff. And they have guests on that are not necessarily from the, the Christian tribe. And it's good. So uh, I would suggest if people are looking for other thought-provoking ways to um, do kingdom work and, and have kingdom thinking and impact others toward kingdom living, Truth Over Tribe is one I would highly suggest, along with The Holy Post, which is one of my other favorites. And uh, uh, so anyway, good stuff. So I'm, I'm, I finally came kicking and dragging or kicking and screaming into the podcast listening world. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly before I started the uh, podcast making uh, entrance. So there we go. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Speaking of biographies, uh, you remind me of something else I just uh, listened to, I guess. It was an audio book. Um, Steve Martin's biography. Have Ooh. you read that? Born Mm-mm. Standing Up. Mm-mm. So that's, I almost downloaded that That is that another very interesting, complex uh, backstory. Not necessarily family friendly in right. a lot oh, of ways. I believe that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but fascinating and considered mm-hmm. one of the best books on comedy ever written. No kidding. Yeah. You know, I, I have another free uh, audio book, Audible credit, and that was one I considered getting because I've been a Steve Martin fan for decades. And uh, I owned Wild and Crazy Guy, his first May album. <laughs> Did you? I could quote it from memory, even not right at the moment, but I mean, but decades later, I can still quote massive parts of that album and of course uh king tut came from that album which was uh i don't know how that ever how high that got on the charts but uh semi-funny story uh it's funny to me at boys state uh which for those of you who every state has a this week-long camp thing where boys come to learn about uh and girls they have girl state to learn about government stuff and i got selected to go to it and uh one of my best friends was also there from another city and uh they have a talent show and we decided to audition and do King Tut, uh, acapella. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The judges laughed their heads off and said, no, go away. So they didn't let us be on the show. But oh. anyway. Oh, well, that's too bad. I, just, I would have thought that the, uh, you know, just the, the high, the highbrow nature of such a great song would have automatically gained us entrance into that. Oh, button. sure. Very avant-garde. Right. And subversive and right. all those other Great. What other song do you know talks about a condo made of stona and that, you know, that uh, he was buried with a donkey and he's my favorite honky, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, I mean, that is. You do know that from memory. I do. I'm a little 
<laughs> I'm a little concerned now, Brian. Well, I thought you were going to say jealous, but that's okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, continuing on <clears throat> in our series as we look at the foundational walls that we want this podcast to be built on, which are the scriptural principles that we believe should be the, the basis of our interactions with people, whether we agree with them or not. And a lot of the times we talk about disagreement and how we should talk about disagreement, but really all of these things go with whether or not we disagree with somebody or whether we do agree with them. Tonight, we're going to talk about the golden rule. And I'm going to get into some specific teaching about that here in a little bit, but I really want us to talk about how that looks in real life and how we can really make an effort to to use this uh, in our interactions with people. But I do need to say that the informational and teaching part of this episode won't be very long today, so we're going to just fill it in with lots of fluff and filler because uh, we pay our editor Aaron a ton of money and we want her to really earn it. So, okay, not really. Erin <laughs> earns every penny and she's really awesome at what she does. So thanks, Erin. All right. And you are a wild and crazy guy. Indeed I am. Yeah, yes. So. <laughs> That's the real reason. That is very true. You know, and, and maybe if we need some extra time, I will just recite some great Steve Martin routines. You're making routines. Me regret I ever brought this up. <laughs> I can also act out Saturday Night Live skits when, when, that he was on. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we got, we got tons of material. All right. Samurai Deli. Oh, he wasn't on that, that was one. John Belushi. That was John Belushi. Come on, people. Okay. Okay. That was funny, though. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, but this this really won't be a very long episode, probably, uh, because it's this is just one of those really self-evident, straightforward things that should be readily grasped by really absolutely everyone who has more than two brain cells to rub together. It's stuff we teach our kids and stuff that we should just grasp as grown-ups. Now, we just finished looking at the greatest commandments which formed the first wall of that foundation, uh, which was, of course, love God with all your being and love your neighbors yourself. And today we attention, uh, turn this attention to the golden rule, which is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. And this is Jesus talking. And it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, it's been said that the golden rule is really nothing new. It's been around long before Jesus. Uh, in fact, people say that you can find it in the teachings of Confucius as well as Buddhism and Hinduism, and that Jesus just borrowed from these to make his point. So I did some looking, and I actually found a site that shows the presence of this kind of teaching in a number of different religions. But there are a couple of things to note here. First, in all of these other examples, it is stated in the negatives. In the negative. In other words, the teachings are generally don't do to others what you don't want done to you. So the premise of these is to refrain from doing these things because you don't want them to be done to you. Jesus' version is much more positive. It says, do to others what you want done to you. Now, that might seem like a small difference to some, but it's not. It's a direct reflection of what Jesus talks about throughout the Sermon on the Mount, which this is part of. And including those parts about loving your enemies, which is unheard of in any of those other religions. And secondly, Jesus wasn't borrowing from these other guys. He was referencing the Old Testament teaching from Leviticus 19, 18. says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Leviticus was actually written around a thousand years before the writings of Confucius, Buddha, and the others. So if there was any borrowing, it was likely from the Hebrew scriptures, not the other way around. And as pointed out before, their version, if you will, is from a negative standpoint, not a positive one of loving your neighbor as yourself. So 
in any case, the point is that anybody who thinks understands that we need to treat people well. And Jesus really puts it, I think, in great perspective and couching it as he does within the, the Sermon on the Mount, which talks about praying for those who persecute you and loving your enemy and going the extra mile and all these things that are contrary to what society would tell us to do in a lot of different situations. So it should be obvious that if we want others to treat us well, we need to treat others well. And really, we might. I'm, I'm going to ask us to talk about some different situations, and maybe you can come up with some, Josh, about how we can lay that out. But before we do that, is there anything in what we just talked about that jumps out at you or maybe sparks a thought for you at all? Yeah, well, I've heard some, I think, kind of shallow criticism of the golden rule uh, mm. as though the golden rule is asking you to project what you want onto other people mm-hmm. and just assume that what they want is what you want. Like, mm-hmm. like they would want the same thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think any like thoughtful person will realize pretty quickly that it's not that silly. It's really an invitation to sort of put yourself in someone else's shoes. If right. I were them, yes. what would I want? Perfect. And so there's kind of this push to, kind of create some sort of superior morality. We are, mm. we're smarter than Jesus. We're better than the Bible. <laughs> we can come up with something that's a little bit more applicable. And I think it's also a, a way to just say that you should let people have their own truth and, mm. you know, affirm everybody's desires, which, right. you know, and try to satisfy them, which seems in our modern context, maybe more, loving or more enlightened but of course Mm -hmm. you really can't actually live that out it's not very Mm -hmm. practical at all Mm -hmm. um it's a recipe for disaster almost like Mm -hmm. oh yeah you want to commit suicide well let me help you do that right you know it it kind of very quickly justifies those sorts of situations Mm -hmm. and i think you know some people do justify those oh sure situations yeah um but this is perfectly framed and it's a it's a great starting point because at the very least, you know, even if you're an idiot, you can imagine like being in somebody else's shoes and mm-hmm. at least ask yourself the question, what would I want them, somebody else to do to me if I were mm-hmm. in that situation? Now, if you get to know them better and you maybe are a little bit more wise and sophisticated, you can try to base what you might want on what you know of that person. Mm -hmm. And so that is still further down that same road. It's an exercise of imagination, entering somebody else's world, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, and uh, a way to love your neighbor as yourself by sort of putting yourself in their shoes in whatever situation that that is. And and I'd like us, we're going to talk about some some kind of some specific circumstances that they're hypothetical in a sense, but they're very real. But before we do that, you know, I, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, when we teach our kids this thing, and if they're treating their sibling badly, you know, here's where kind of a negative part comes in. You say, well, would you want him to kick you in the shins <laughs> for saying something mm-hmm. like that? Well, no. Then why are you doing that to him? Or if you've got a kid like mine, then be like, yeah, <laughs> I would. <laughs> yes, I would like that. Yeah. And they're doing that just to just mess, to, just to mess just with you and turn you off. Yeah. So there's, there are, there are, there are ways to teach that from a negative. You know, you wouldn't want them to do that to you. Right. So don't do that to them. Again, that, you know, more of the, what we see from the other religions, but also the things of, you know, how would you like them to treat you in this situation? 
And I came up with just a few. This very might very well be a very short episode <laughs> unless we come up with more of these scenarios. But, but first of all, for instance, how would you like to be treated as the cashier at the store that just ran out of the sweater you wanted? I mean, I, Josh, I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where, and I used to work at a clothing store, but, you know, yeah, or it doesn't mean a sweater can be anything. It could be, you know, towels or the, the flat screen TV at Walmart, you know, and they're out of it. And you really wanted that thing. And now they're out of it. What do you do? Well, I've seen so many people just literally screaming at these people, uh, poor people behind the counter who have no control over any of that stuff. And they're screaming at the cashier, get me a manager. Go and check in the back. Why didn't you get more of this? You know, there's nothing I can do about it. But they have to take the wrath of people. Well, I think Christians especially need to think, if that were me on the other side of that counter, how would I like to be treated? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm disappointed, but, you know, that's life. You know, yeah. I guess maybe I'll try to find that TV somewhere else. You know, you treat them with respect and you go into it knowing it's not their fault. They have no control over that. They're getting paid bottom dollar to put up with you. <laughs> and Christians should be leading the way in this. I've made it a goal, and sometimes stated, sometimes not. I want to be the nicest person somebody sees today. Uh, and I don't put on airs to make that happen. But it's just, I people deal with enough jerks. And I don't want to be one of those. I want to be the kind of person that when they see me walking into the store, they're like, oh good, Brian's here. Rather than close the door, lock it, turn off the ovens, you know, get him out of here, do whatever we need to do to get him out of here quickly or just not let him in at all. And there are people all over the town that when I see them, I, I light up, you know, and some of them are customers of mine at where I work. Um, but I have customers too where I just like, oh boy, anybody but this guy, you know, and I don't want to be like that. And it's especially sad when my reaction toward that is toward a Christian. You know, it's like, oh no, this isn't going to go well. You know, because this guy's always complaining and she's always whining about something, you know, and they're never happy. I wish I could just say, go shop somewhere else, you know, <laughs> and God love you. Just leave me alone. You know, I wish I could say that sometimes, but I'm not very good about that. Well, I, I have to let you down a bit, Brian. You're the second nicest person I, oh, really? I met today because <laughs> I've got a pretty awesome wife. That, yeah. And she is pretty awesome and she's a very nice person. But you're somewhat close second. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you can think about that every day when you're at the grocery store. You know, how can I treat this person well? You know, just because, but as we talked about last week, they're made in the image of God and they're deserving of that respect, you know. And it's like you said earlier, it's a, it's a positive command. It's not mm -hmm. a just don't be a jerk statement. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know get through life without insulting anybody <laughs> in the checkout line. <laughs> right. I like your approach where you're just being proactive about mm -hmm. trying to help improve somebody's day and actually mm -hmm. make a positive difference in their life. Even if it's just mm -hmm. a smile. Right. I think I'm pretty good at that most of the time, but mm -hmm. if I am unhappy about a customer service issue, I unfortunately don't have a very good poker face. I, it's pretty easy to tell when I'm not uh, not happy. Yeah. Even if I'm not intentionally trying to seem unhappy. Mm -hmm. So I do have to watch that myself. And mm -hmm. I think this is a good check for me too. Mm -hmm. What do you think the line is when you get a telemarketing call mm -hmm. or you, you know, run into a roadblock uh, with a big 
faceless company that you need to get some, you know, some service from. You need right. to get repair or tech issue taken care of. Uh-huh. And the person on the other end of the line is just not seeing it your way and they're uh-huh. not in any mood to help you. Right. How does it like <laughs> put <laughs> yourself in their shoes? <laughs> right. How would you want how how do you think you should you should act in that situation. Great points. And and just to get practical. I, yeah. And before I do that, I'll say it's it's hard for me to disguise my anger and things too, because I blush easily. And when I get angry, my whole face gets red and my head gets red. I know I'm a bald guy. So there have been times when I've had disagreements with coworkers back in the day and and uh and I'm just trying to hold it in, you know, without yelling at them or 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 what if I did talk to them, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt of some things, but but I'm just angry and it's just, it's all red and my boss will tell me yeah i can tell you're upset because your your head was all red <laughs> like, okay. which yes. one of us is a worse poker player oh Brian? my goodness yeah <laughs> and, uh, it's probably probably one of the reasons i don't play poker <laughs> okay so I, I will give you a couple of examples of my own life so there was a time when when cell phones were new and I, i've got more examples of this, but... Uh, Way back in yes. 2003 or something yeah, like that. Actually, in the 90s. Oh, Back oh, in the ooh, 90s. Yes, yes. The, the plastic Motorola. No, heavens no. This was, uh, yeah, Motorola flip phones where the mouthpiece flipped open and you mm-hmm. had, they were about the size of a cantaloupe, you know, and plastic antennas you pulled up. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I was on a plan that uh, I paid, you know, like 40 bucks a month for for 400 minutes. And I shared it with my wife, you know, and she never used it. She goes, I don't want this phone anymore. Okay. So I called the company and said, we'd like to change our plan to this other plan. She goes, well, I can't really do that. And I said, well, not, you know, why not? It's the exact same dollar amount and it's for the exact same minutes. It's just that my wife has chosen to not have a cell phone. And so we only need it on the one cell phone. You know, I'm guessing it's got to be a matter of a few button clicks, you know, and she just couldn't do it. And I said, well, I appreciate the fact that you're doing your job and I appreciate that you're not authorized to do this. Can I please speak to someone who can authorize it? She went offline and she goes, yeah, give me a couple of minutes. And then she comes back on and says, okay, we got it done. And I think what I was trying to do to her was tell her that I wasn't saying, hey, I want to talk to the manager. It was like, you know, I totally understand that you are not allowed or that you're not authorized to do this thing. So I'm not angry at you, but I do need to get this checked or changed. And I'm sure someone there can let me do that. Can I talk to that person? So sometimes it's a matter of just acknowledging that that person has limitations, but also doing it in a voice that doesn't say I'm better than you. You're just a lowly clerk. Talking down to somebody, being condescending. Right. Right. Striking some righteous ignorance indignation that, you know, you're being ripped off, you know. So that's generally my approach when I have a customer service issue and I'm not connecting with the person that I'm trying to, who's I've contacted first. So I'll generally say, may I please speak to someone who can authorize that? And I try to do it in a voice, you know, that's inviting. My natural nature is when somebody's a jerk to me, I shut down, you know, and I don't want to help them. And uh, I've had instances just, you know, in the last couple of years where people were just mean to me at my work. And I shut down. I say, well, you know what? I'm just going to have to go get the boss. And and maybe he can do this for you, but I can't. You know? So, and I walk away. And in that case, I literally left the sales floor because I could not deal with people at that point. So, <laughs> so my, uh, my uh, treating them as they ought to be treated was me getting out of the scene so that I didn't cause a scene. That so, makes sense. It does know, require some um, 
discretion, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not to say that you never deny that there's a problem. I mean, if there's a problem, you bring it up. Uh, Josh, you and I were having lunch the other day, wasn't it? And I found a hair in my food. You know, so there's no need to get all screamy about it and uptight about it and yell and scream and threaten to call the health department. You know, it's just, it happens sometimes in restaurants. It's just- Yeah. You were kind, but you also mm -hmm. said, I don't really want to pay for this. Right. If that's all right, I'd- Hmm. And she did. You could say you could see that it was a little awkward. But mm -hmm. as we left, mm -hmm. you know, we had a nice little conversation and we all left with a smile, even though yeah. it could have been a tense and, you know, yeah. fraught conversation. Yeah. And, and she could have said, oh, my, I'll bet you threw that hair in there to get a free meal. You know, and she could have accusatory. Oh, no, that couldn't be from us, you know. And um, and she was so apologetic. You know, I, I, I felt bad for her. You know, but uh, but there are ways to handle these things. I don't know if I handled this. I don't know if I discussed the situations specifically that you brought up, Josh. Today. No, but I uh, I see where you're going with it. Here's one thing that, as I've gotten older, I've I think gained some insight on. So I'm not a particularly confrontational person, mm -hmm. and I would sometimes just assume that you know if if there's a, a conflict or if somebody's doing something wrong. Let's say they're working for me. Let's say it's my mm -hmm. daughter. Let's say mm -hmm. it's somebody that needs to do something right and isn't doing it right mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Somebody yeah. on my team at work or or something like that. Now, my natural instinct is to just kind of let it go. And mm -hmm. so, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. You know, we're mm -hmm. – but looking back on my life and realizing, you know, in situations where I maybe wasn't doing a good job myself uh -huh. and realizing that it would be better for me or it would have been better for me if someone had called me on it. Uh -huh. It would have been better for me at that age if someone had called me to a higher standard, yes. challenged me in that situation uh -huh. and told me to do a better job or right. to make it right mm -hmm. or to have a better attitude or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so even though I wouldn't have liked it, mm -hmm. it would have been good for me. Right. And so it's interesting because I can use that new insight of my younger self, let's say, mm -hmm. my new understanding of my younger self and understand that that person probably needs some kind of constructive criticism, even though that's uncomfortable for me mm -hmm. in this situation. Mm -hmm. It's an encouragement for me to overcome my natural, you know, disinclination to bring that up or offer constructive criticism mm -hmm. because it's actually good for that person. And yes. if I were in that situation, I know that that would be what I would want later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe not at the moment. Right. I hope that's not convoluted. No, it's not. And the thing is we can we can do that in love. So there's mm -hmm. another part where we can do the truth in love. We can say, you know, this isn't the way you you know what we're trying to accomplish here. The way you're doing it is is falling short of that. Here are some ideas. Mm -hmm. Or have you thought about doing it this way? And I think yeah. there are ways to say it's not up to what I need it to be. You might try this. Right. But and say, how would I have received that best in right. that situation? Or how might I receive that well? If I needed to hear this, mm -hmm. what's the best possible way somebody could say that to me? Right. That sort uh, of stuff. Dale Carnegie the, in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which ought to be required reading in every high school in America before Shakespeare. When he gives an example about how to do that kind of thing. And what he would do is, you know, he gave an example of when he was talking to a secretary who had... I think she was new and she had a ton of misspellings and stuff in a letter he had dictated or whatever. And he says, you know, 
Lord knows I've got my share of mistakes, <laughs> you know, and, and I, but there are some things in here I need you to point out, or I need to point out to you. So he's acknowledging the fact that he's not perfect and that he's got flaws that he needs to work on. And so I'm talking to you as a flawed person about some things that need to be taken care of. I thought that was a good way to go about it. Things I've done in the past are things like, you know, here's how I have done this, or here's how I do it, you know, or when I do that, I usually do this. That might help you. It might not, you know, um, that might give you some, some other ideas. And I try to couch it not as you should be doing it this way, but here's how I have found success doing whatever that happens to be. And I, it takes a lot more pressure off of that person, but it gives me the freedom to tell them how I think they might be able to do it better without coming down on them and, and belittling them. Yeah. Well, you're kind of recognizing them and yourself as both people in, in process mm -hmm. and in the process of growing. And you, mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've said something like, you know, I, I remember struggling with that too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I used to make this mistake and do this a lot. And what I found was this worked best for me. Yeah. You know, yes, yes. Because when you can identify with the struggle they're having, that's empathy and people right. love empathy because they understand, you know, then they understand that you understand and they're much more willing. Uh, and I, at least I am much more open to listening to what they have to say. And yeah, it's never enjoyable to have to be corrected about something. Uh, but the sting is a whole lot less, you know, when you've, when you're receiving it in a way that shows that that person actually cares for you. And so if we can be proactive in actually caring about somebody when we do have to correct them, um, whether it's how we do some work or whether it's a doctrinal issue from scripture or how they drive, you know, uh, <laughs> if you're, if you're going to drive like a jerk, tear that fish sticker off your car, please. But Or I'll tear it off for you. That's right. In love. In love. Yes. <laughs> While you're not looking. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think proactively considering how they might take it and always going for, you know, I want to communicate love as well as truth here. I think that goes a long way. And that's what we would want for us. Again, yeah. we want to give people that kind of feedback the way we would want to take it. How about, Josh, when, when you're at a restaurant and the kitchen is out of the item that you want and you've been waiting all week to go to this restaurant and your mouth's been watering all week because you wanted this particular thing from this certain restaurant and they get up there and they go, ah, yeah, we just ran out of that. Are you a prophet or something? <laughs> no. Did this happen to you recently? Oh, yeah. This happens to me all the time. <laughs> Well, then tell us how you respond to that, because I would love to hear that. Well, in my uh, best moments, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm pretty good at working out, you know, oh, really? Well, is there some other way, you know, do you have something like this? Do you have something? Is there, mm -hmm. What about this? And, um, you know, finding something that is suitable. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I, I eat a lot of different things, but mm -hmm. I'm. Unfortunately, a little bit of a perfectionist and an optimizer. Like if mm -hmm. I'm spending money, I want like the best possible experience I can get for right. that. My limited <laughs> dollars that I'm willing to spend, uh -huh. you know. <laughs> so this is why you eat a McDonald's. I should eat. Uh, I eat a McDonald's no, a lot. No, it's, or it's another just, fast food restaurant. And I actually like McDonald's. That's not meant to be a slam on McDonald's. That's I like McDonald's. Yeah. I, I, oh, my I, expectations just, are. I just blame it on growing up in a big family where, <laughs> you know, you just never enough food to go around and mm. you went out to eat once in a blue moon and it was yep. a big deal. And yep. if it went wrong and, you know, you weren't going to go out to eat again for another <laughs> three months, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so maybe some, some mild childhood traumas mm -hmm. or something like that. I don't right. know. But, but do you ever blame the waiter for that or the server for that? Eh, usually. I yeah. mean, no, I mean, you can't because it's not their fault. Right. 
you know, um, and, but I've, I've just seen so many people. How can you be out of that? Why don't you anticipate better that there's going to, that tonight was going to be busy? You know, there's a game in town, you know, or whatever, or, you know, there's a play, you know, at the university tonight. Mm -hmm. Why don't you anticipate that? And the, the poor server, they're not the ones who make the choices for inventory. They're not the ones who bring in levels of, you know, food. No. And there's so many things that you don't have control over, be, right. especially these days when, mm -hmm. Let's say oh, yeah. for in the server example, mm -hmm. you have supply chain issues. There right. might be things that they decided to advertise and then suddenly mm -hmm. there was a recall on this particular batch of fish or something mm -hmm. or yes. it wasn't Good available point. all of a sudden or yeah. a truck, you know, jackknifed on the interstate and spilled right. all their supply that was coming their way. You never know. Right. I think it's really important to mm -hmm. make sure that. Where, how, whatever disappointment you feel, whatever mm -hmm. disappointment I feel in that mm -hmm. situation about the food itself, it mm -hmm. isn't directed at the person. Right, right. Yeah. And maybe we can talk a little bit more if we remember here just about how to handle legitimate complaints. We've talked a little bit about it, but but let's let's come back to the server issue here because I see this a lot. What if the server makes a mistake and you ordered a rare steak, but they brought you a medium? My own personal thing is, you know what? I'll eat medium. I'll even eat a well done because to me, that's not worth sending it back. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that's me. If they ask me what it's like, I'll say, oh, well, you know, I think this was well done instead of medium. Like I want a medium rare like I want it. But you know what? I'm okay with that. You know? And usually they're falling all over themselves at that point to get you a new steak because they want you to be happy. You know? Or they'll throw in a dessert because you didn't complain. You know? Uh, or what about if the server accidentally spills coffee on you? And, you know, that can hurt, you know, but... You can tell maybe it's her first day or first week and she's nervous and, or he's, you know, he doesn't know all the specials and he's trying to read them off his card and he's stumbling and stuttering and maybe gets something wrong. How do you handle that in a way that displays the golden rule and displays the character of Jesus when those kind of things happen? Yet, have you had specific examples for some of those things? Oh, Plenty of those. Yeah. You know, the most understanding people in a restaurant situation are typically waiters and waitresses or people yes. who have done that job in the past. Very true. Because they understand it. They will almost never make a big deal out of something mm -hmm. because they know exactly how much pressure that person's under. Yep. They know that though that person is most likely in an, an entry level job mm -hmm. or they're working their way up. They've got bills to pay. Their mm -hmm. life runs on tips. Sure. And uh, if they don't make it or if they have a slow night and they might have to, you know, scrimp at home, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. not be able to do whatever they need to do for their kid or their family right. or whatever. Right. So Good point. Um, I've had enough friends that have done that job and sort of seen how they act in that situation. Mm -hmm. I, it's, I think, really helped me be more understanding as cool. well. So cool. What if the person genuinely doesn't want to help you and mm -hmm. doesn't care? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I just remember a story from when I was in my 20s and I, a buddy of mine just saved up some money and went out to New York City mm -hmm. and saw some shows and we had a fun time. And one of the things that we really wanted to do is get some really good, authentic Italian food at, mm. at an Italian place. So mm -hmm. we... Based on a recommendation, we went to this little place and it was as Italian as you could get. This big <laughs> mafia looking guy sitting out front and there's this, you know, tall Italian looking guy serving and. Do they have accordion music? I'm um, uh, probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there were all sorts of things. And <laughs> anyway, 
the funniest thing that, well, it's funny now, but the lasagna that they brought out was frozen in the middle. Oh, my. And you would think, you know, like. Gordon Ramsay would have a fit. Uh, for, you know, it, it, I didn't I didn't come all this way to an authentic Italian restaurant in, you know, New York City to have frozen lasagna. I can right. get that at home, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I did I did bring it up and asked mm-hmm. if they could, you know, do something about it. And the guy made it sound like it was my fault. He made me feel bad for complaining. The waiter, the, 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 the waiter, waiter did. Server? Okay. the server yep. did, okay. and he finally, after you know, a couple of eye rolls and some, you know, very unhelpful attitudes, took mm-hmm. it back into the into the kitchen mm-hmm. and microwaved it and brought it back to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you handle a situation like that, Brian? Uh, a minimal tip. You know, I think that's what I did. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, now. Um, so let's go back I didn't to the whole. Use any you know racial slurs no, or weird. No, because no, maybe his last name was Corleone. Oh, he could have been. Yeah. So you didn't. You just got to be careful. That I just watched the three Godfather movies recently. Oh my goodness! Oh, for yeah. the first time, actually. But um, uh, yeah, minimal tips. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about tipping and waitress and, and servers because that is a huge area. You know, when I was, I used to be a server and, and uh, a cook and all these things back in my day. And Sundays were the worst day because it would be the church people who would come in and they were the, they were the meanest people to serve. They were demanding, unapologetic. And you could tell they were church people because they were still dressed up. You know, they were just got done with church wherever they went. And the other servers would, you know, they say, oh, here they come, you know. And and if a certain family came in, they would be begging me or other people to take those people because they couldn't stand serving them. Wow. And there were other people. What a come, sad state of affairs. It is. And there are other times when I would just volunteer to, I got them, I got them. Because I could at least take it a little bit. And I, I just knew they were jerks. You know, but since they claim to be followers of Jesus, you know, we could do a little bantering back and forth, blah, blah, blah. And they weren't as mean to me mm-hmm. as they were to some of the other people. And that was just horrible. But at other times, there were Christians who would come into the restaurant and boy, people were, you know, tripping over themselves trying to get to that table because they were nice and they tipped well. But we need to be people who genuinely want to be seen. I, I mentioned earlier that I want to be the person when they, when I come in the door, I want people to want to be they want like me coming in there and in the restaurant business i want to be the one the same thing you know certain families we'd see them coming in and we'd like oh man can't we close before they get in the door here you know others are like up oh, my turn for this family they're great and they tip well but servers what a lot of people don't understand and you mentioned a lot of things there things like you know maybe it's a single mother stri- you know trying to support a kid or something we don't know but what a lot of people don't understand is that servers are generally not paid minimum wage. Uh, in fact, in the federal minimum wage for tipped employees, at least for a long time, I don't know if it's still the case, is 55% of the regular minimum wage. So whatever it is now, what, 925 or whatever it is, employers are only required to pay 55% of that. And the tipped employees are expected to make up the difference as taxable income. Tips are taxable. That's another thing people don't understand. And if the server does not make up that money, then the restaurant has to make it up. They are required by law to make up the difference. 
And if that happens very often, that person's not going to be a server very long. So when you're tipping somebody, you are actually paying a wage. You're not giving them extra. You know, you are actually helping them pay, helping to pay their actual wage. So you need to be generous. And I think Christians should be the most generous people when it comes to tipping. And for God's sake, and I mean this using, and I don't mean to use the Lord's name of Vayner, I don't believe I am. Please don't leave a track instead a fake of a tip. $50 bill yeah, or something like that. And especially if you're not tipping at all, if you're going to leave a track, make it a tasteful one, first of all. And secondly, leave a very generous tip. Very generous tip. Okay? <laughs> but, but treat people well. I mean, these guys, you know, Servers have a hard job, and I've just seen too many times when Christians are just jerks, you know, and unnecessarily they're demanding, they're entitled, and um, boy, me, that's not Jesus. To, you know, let me let me flip the table on you, yeah, quick, so to speak. Yeah, what if you are that server and you've actually been in this position? Yeah, how do you apply this to a situation where you've got customers that are coming in that are known jerks? Yes, you treat them like you would want to be treated. You're polite. You laugh at their jokes, you know, if they're clean. You laugh, and I've got, I've got jerks at, at the furniture store I work at. You know, they come in, and, it's, and I'll ha-ha, you know. One guy looked at my last name and says, LaCroix. Oh, I thought it said Lotta Crook. And I'm like, I just was silent for a moment, and then just kind of laughed it off because I, I don't like being called a crook. I hope I'm not. But um, but I think it's just a matter of you just, and sometimes you just got to say, you know what? Okay, this is a special. And sometimes you just have to minimize the conversation, get the order, walk away, put their food down, come back and see how it's going. And you just spend as little bit of time with them as possible. And uh, if there is a complaint at those times, I would probably just send the manager out right away. I would just say, oh, there's a problem. Okay, let me get the manager for you. And let them take the wrath of the customer. I remember one time at the restaurant, um, this one guy just made our server cry. I mean, she came back and she was devastated because she didn't have a one-inch foam head on the beer that she served. And the guy just ripped her one. And I just thought, man, alive. You know, what a jerk. You know, he wasn't a Christian, but at least I don't know. But you don't need to make somebody cry, <laughs> especially Christians. You just don't need to do that. Okay, so anyway, if you're going to eat at a restaurant, treat people well. <laughs> Think Next of how, time yes. on the sir and the food service podcast. That's right, right. <laughs> this is that's a big thing for me. I'll just tell you. No, I. I uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to get my goat, be a jerk at the restaurant, you know, and uh, yeah. Um, how about and maybe this one goes to a more philosophical point, but would you like to be given the benefit of the doubt when someone questions or says something about you that isn't true, and they're talking to somebody and they're saying this about you and. You're not even there. Wouldn't you like the benefit of the doubt? Wouldn't you like that other person to say, you know, that just doesn't sound like that guy at all. I'm not sure you heard that right. You know, or I'm not sure you're talking about the right guy. You know, you know I think there's one thing that would build bridges in our culture. It's mm -hmm. doing that. Mm -hmm. It's giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. That is exactly the opposite of what most of our conversations uh, mm -hmm. consist of, whether it's on mass media, whether it's on Twitter or social media, almost every conversation is, seems like the 
people involved are doing their best to take the other person's words in the worst way possible. Right. Assume negative intent rather than positive intent mm -hmm. and do whatever the opposite of giving someone the benefit of the doubt is. Like mm -hmm. that's what our society and cultural conversations are based around. Right. And it's a bad example mm -hmm. because that influences how people treat each other in everyday life. Right. Um, that influences how, you know, kids talk to each other mm -hmm. at school. Mm -hmm. And that was one thing that made a big difference in my life when someone encouraged me and, well, a lot of other people. It was a conference of some kind, but mm -hmm. um, assume positive intent. Yes. That, that was the phrase that I remember out of that. Yes. Um, that speech, assume positive intent. Mm -hmm. And that's actually harder than it sounds. Yes. Because it's easy to do with you, Brian. Mm -hmm. I, I I know you. I, I know that whatever you're saying is at least intended well, even mm -hmm. if I get offended, you know, even if you <laughs> well, call me a crook or something. Often, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you must mean that in a positive way. Oh, thank you. Uh, but as soon as it comes to somebody who I have a prejudice against, maybe mm -hmm. it's maybe oh, it's yeah. political. You yes. know, maybe I know that they think differently than me on this issue. Mm -hmm. Maybe they vote differently. Maybe they're in an industry or a, a job that I just dislike or mm -hmm. or have a prejudice against. Used car salesman, you know, right. furniture salesman, darn yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That yep. sort of thing. Yep. And that kind of thing that I, that I just mentioned with that guy, you know, teasing me about my name, that kind of hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, although I knew he was joking at the same time. He wasn't joking. You know what I mean? He, no, he, he's, he, he's expressing how he feels about salespeople in right, general. Right. Yeah. And he's, and he's just putting that on you. Off. Right. Yep. And, uh, and I've had other people in the store say that too. It's like, well, no, you have to say that because you're a salesman. I'm like, no, I don't have to say that. And, and there have been times over my sales career where somebody has really um, not just played like that. It's just, you could tell, you know, they were, they seriously thought. They were expecting to get cheated. Well, that, and they thought I was doing it right then, you know, and I said, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've never had to intentionally uh, misrepresent myself or the product to make a sale. And if you really feel that's what I'm doing, then me, then honestly, it's probably best if you go somewhere else. And I've said that to people. Thankfully, mm -hmm. it's only been once or twice, um, but they, they had just gone too far at that point, you know, and, and so I tried to use that tone of voice. My face was probably red. <laughs> and, uh, but I just said, you know, if you honestly feel that I'm trying to rip you off, you know, then maybe it's best you shop somewhere else. Or would you like to speak to my boss? And you can purchase it from him if you'd like. So I just extricate myself from the situation and go to another room and cool off for a while. There's a situation today that illustrates what you were talking about a moment ago. Like, uh, so it came out on the news today that our governor, Christy Nome, just had back surgery like the last day or two. And so she is in limited mobility for the next few months. The Facebook reactions are ranged all the way from... Please be healed in Jesus' name. Two, yep, this is just her avoiding a debate. Now she's going to get pampered care. Um, she's doing this, you know, you know, and, and just all of it was her, she did this on purpose at this time to avoid debates or devoid. Or, or now she'll get to stay in the state so much now. She won't get to use the state owned plane to, to promote herself. And uh, all this vitriol, you know, and they assumed intent. You know, they were just, oh, yep. 
you know, I I haven't read through all the comments, but I'll bet you there's some in there saying, yeah, I'll bet you she, yeah, surgery. Yeah, right. I remember working in the same building as the headquarters of uh, a particular candidate in a, in a mm. heated political campaign. It was, mm. had some national attention. There was a lot of money being poured into it, mm-hmm. but it was just, I knew, you know, I interacted with them on a regular basis and kind of heard some of their banter. And then I also mm-hmm. happened to know some people who were working for their opponent. Mm-hmm. And it was just incredible to me how awful mm-hmm. the other person seemed to them. You know, like mm-hmm. every single thing they did was, to, you know, would be taken intentionally in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. And they genuinely believed it. it like, yeah, and anything negative that they heard about the other candidate would just reinforce what they already thought about that candidate. Sure. And of course, we know that happens in, in politics. But, oh, my. Yeah. Um, it's just is the opposite of doing for someone else what you would have them do for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a simple statement, but if that were actually lived out, if people were actually held to that standard mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, called out when they weren't doing that, if we valued that as a country, I mean, I think, sadly, we're probably getting the politicians we deserve <laughs> as a nation. <laughs> yes. I wish sure that were true. true, but yeah. uh, I don't think we can blame it all on the people at the top no. because yeah. um, it's unfortunately seeming to reflect more and more like mm-hmm. our, the way our country actually is. Sure. Well, let's, let's uh, take it to another issue of, let's say the masks. Okay. So okay. mask mandates, you know, let's say you, you go to Walmart and for a while you had to have a mask to even enter the building here at our local Walmart. And some of the reactions of the people, including some Christians that I ran across, you know, it's all a conspiracy, you know, and it's all just a, you know, it's all Dr. Fauci trying to force himself on everything and, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they had no love for Dr. Fauci or they had even less love for the people at Walmart who are having to enforce this policy. And two things. First of all, their job was to enforce the policy. They didn't decide the policy. They didn't want it for the most part. You oh, could I tell. felt so bad for yes. those people at the front door. You could tell. You could see it on their face. They were just yeah. expecting to get yelled at every yes. five seconds. And it was no fun to see them being yelled at. No. And so that was one of those times where I would say, thank you. Even And, and I wore a mask in the store. And it wasn't because I was a big fan of masks. But I just knew that the, that the old lady over there is scared to death of getting COVID. And... Even if masks were ineffective, I don't, you know, I don't know all the science. Let's pretend for a second that masks were completely ineffective. She didn't matter. She was concerned. And my, I had it to, it was the Christian, I believe the Christ-like thing to do to show concern for her by alleviating her concern that I'm going to at least do my part. I agree. Now, on the other side, you have people who also are Christians and not only uh, think that masks are good, but that if you don't wear a mask, you yes. are not being Christ-like. Right. And you and would come up to people and confront them and mm-hmm. be very, mm-hmm. very ugly in right. some cases to anybody who wasn't wearing a mask. Right. Yes. And you, they could be very ugly. Also in the name of Jesus in some cases. Exactly right. Yep. Unfortunately, more of the, most of the opposition I saw for masks had nothing to do with medicine. It was all political. They just assumed the worst about the people who were making these decisions. And so my question to them. Or about the people who were wearing masks. Right. Or about the people who weren't wearing masks. Right. Yep. But let's see, you know, for instance, Walmart. 
had a mask mandate. Do you really believe that they got paid off by whoever, 3M <laughs> or uh, Biden or Fauci or Biden wasn't the president then, uh, but, you know, to force people to wear masks so that we could all be turned into sheep? Or do you, my thinking was the science that they're listening to and the doctors, the experts that they're listening to honestly believe that these masks are the best thing for us. And so these people are acting on what they believe to be the best research and medicinal science possible. That's why they're wearing masks. And that question was never asked, or at least around any of the people I knew. Um, they were just, you know, well, they're just trying to make us sheep. They're trying to impose their will on us. They're trying to become, turn us into a leftist nation. And they're trying to take away our freedoms. And I'm like, I'm just not going to go that far, hmm. you know? And I think I'm just going to assume at this point that, that they honestly believe that this is the best thing for us. And so they're, they're acting on that. And if you choose not to believe that, well, you know, I guess it's up to you because we can all pull scientists and experts from any side we want to bolster any position we want. But ultimately, I need to worry about how that grandma is worried about me possibly giving her COVID. So I'm just going to wear a mask so that she doesn't have to worry about that. Now, thankfully, we're, we're past most of that now. Um, even at the hospital I work at, we're not required to wear masks unless we're in patient rooms uh, and things like that. Um, but there was a time when people were just assuming the worst about whoever was coming up with mask mandates. You know, so that's just one example. And whoever was uh, pushing back against mask mandates. Right. Yes. So there were plenty of people that had very reasoned, mm -hmm. scientifically, at least somewhat valid arguments mm -hmm. against masks or right. against masks right. in certain situations yes. or whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And some of those turned out to be true. And yes, so those people right. were vilified and mm -hmm. in some cases were, you know, blocked from social media, mm -hmm. websites taken down. Yep. Um, yep. And again, the worst was assumed about them as well. Right. You don't care about people. You, you want don't. everybody to die. Yes. You're a crazy, yes. you know, science denier. Right. You right. want to kill grandma. Mm -hmm. You're just in it for the money, right. whatever it is. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No. And uh, so, and there are ways to handle all those things. And it was not Christ-like in many situations from either perspective. You know, Brian, according to this book I just read, there's some really interesting psychological uh, reasons for the way people acted the way they do. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Again, qualified recommendation of the book I mentioned earlier, <laughs> Psychology of Totalitarianism. Yes. And it isn't uh, – yeah, the point – just to go back to it, the point that that book makes isn't that people necessarily are acting in an evil way or mm -hmm. intentionally trying to oppress. Right. It's that they truly believe in the thing that they've chosen to accept as truth and are based on what they're – belief is they're acting, you know, in accordance with that. Um, but in many cases, uh, I think that the phrase was a, a mechanistic ideology or mechanistic view of the world, where if you just, you know, have the right rules and the right science, you can sort of fix all the problems in society and in human beings. And that kind of leads to that sort of behavior of treating people that way. Mm -hmm. Just another qualified plug for that book, I guess. Yeah. 
Uh, there's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. I'm pulling this off the internet, and I got to be careful that it's actually a quote by him because Abe Lincoln said you cannot trust everything that you see on the internet. So, and 87% of statistics are meaningless. And true, you know, but I've also noticed that five out of four people have trouble with math. So, mm -hmm. my boss in Brookings said there, there's three kinds of people in the world those who can count and those who can't. <laughs> hey, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Absolutely. And that is absolutely true. I find myself doing that all the time. And it's it's wrong. We need to be careful. And so we need to give people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to intentions. Did they, you know, maybe they treated you wrongly, but maybe they didn't realize that. Or let's go back to uh, the server issue uh, at a restaurant. And maybe you got a cranky waitress that day or a server, you know, and, and, uh, it could be that, you know, she just had a horrible day and the boss just yelled at her or something for something that wasn't her fault. Or she just found out her mom has cancer. She's trying to get out of there, but the boss won't let her out of there. Um, her kid is sick and she can't leave to get him from school. You know, there's all sorts of things that could be going on behind there. That's manifesting itself out in poor service or a cranky attitude. And I don't enjoy cranky attitudes from people either. And, and I think maybe that should give us pause to say, wow, something's going on here. You know, maybe I just need to pray for her or him. Maybe. And, and maybe if there's a, if there's semi really, maybe this is your regular server and you notice that this is out of character for her or him. You say, you know, you seem a little off today. Is, is something going on? You know, or, or is there anything I can help you with? I mean, or, you know, you seem a little down today. You know, is there something I can pray for you about? Um, and they might not even know you're a Christian or whatever, but sometimes I've said that to people. You know, I, I notice you seem a little down today. Is there something going on that I can be praying about? You know, or um, is there something I can help you with? And boy, that breaks down some barriers. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, no, I'm just having a bad day or no, it's just the hangover, you know, or, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Uh, or I just got off the phone with my boyfriend. He's a jerk, you know, and, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, good. I'm glad it's nothing serious. And that can build also some, that can strengthen some of those bonds. But, but just not assuming that they're always this way or not assuming that they don't like you, just assuming that something is going on in the background that we can't see. And I think if we can do that and give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, and, uh, you know, how was everything today? Well, you know, usually it's 99%. And that's about all I'll say. I, I won't say, yeah, but your waitress was a real crank today. You know, I don't say stuff like that. I don't need to. And um, mainly because I used to be in that world, like like others you have mentioned, and we all have our bad days in any profession. So. Sure. Or maybe they just came from church and felt really convicted <laughs> about something and needed to take it out on someone else. That could be, yeah. <laughs> on, on the Wendy's employees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we've actually gotten fairly deep here today. Oh, good. I, you know, for just focusing on the, mm -hmm. the golden rule itself. It's amazing uh, how many different directions Yes. We've gone and, and how many different areas of life that can apply to. So we've actually filled some time here. I don't need to do Steve Martin uh, skits or anything. No, but I do think uh, it's time for another of our not so famous Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris facts. facts. That's right. Okay. I'm actually going to give you two today because they're sort of semi-related. He who laughs last laughs best. He who laughs at Chuck Norris dies. And then, <laughs> I saw it coming, but yeah, it's still funny. And then the second one related to that, it says, in the medical community, death is referred to as Chuck Norris disease. So, 
I see. Yeah, so uh, we love you, Mr. Norris, wherever you are. Have a great night. Um, you could say, do unto others as you would do to Chuck Norris. Yes, which is cower in fear. <laughs> so, Wait a second. <laughs> Be extremely respectful yeah, oh, at oh, all yeah, times. That's, okay, that's what you meant. And okay, always assume positive intent. Right, right. Because if you don't, <laughs> he is angry. You know, you're going to die. Roundhouse kick to the face. Well, the, and you'll never, well, first of all, You'll never know what happened because you'll be dead before the pain hits. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, but, you know, folks, this really is such a huge thing. If we would just, you know, paste that toward bathroom mirrors, you know, or just, you know, today I'm going to treat others the way I want to be treated. You know, today I'm going to treat my employees the way I would like to be treated if I were an employee. I'm going to talk to my boss the way I would like to be talked to if I was the boss. I'm going to talk to my customers the way they would like to be talked to. I want to treat my customers the way I would like to be treated if I were a customer. I want them walking out of here today knowing that they mean more to me than a commission check. And I think it's more than even a daily reminder. Yeah. I mean, I can feel great in the morning mm -hmm. and something can go wrong and I can yeah. completely lose sight of the fact that I need to treat other people the way uh, I want to be treated. Right. I think it's something that we need to remind ourselves multiple times a day mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. At a minimum. Right. And we've talked about it before, but, you know, that old question, what would Jesus do? People my age it became a cliche, but I think it's something we can ask all the time. Mm -hmm. How would Jesus react to a cranky waitress? How would Jesus react to a customer who assumes that I'm trying to rip him off? You know, and those aren't easy questions to answer because Jesus didn't face those, you know, that we know of. Well, no, but he did face a uh, very proud and mm -hmm. uh, condescending religious people. Yes. Hypocrites, mm -hmm. people who were not treating other people well, mm -hmm. people who were collaborating with the enemy, people who were the enemy. Yeah. We can draw some lessons from that. Right. And it's I interesting. You know, he, he called the Pharisees snakes and yep. vipers and whitewashed tombs. Mm -hmm. He was in some way treating them the way that, well, with mm -hmm. his perfect knowledge, he right. knew that they would need – Mm -hmm. That was the probably the only way to get through to some of them. And he actually mm -hmm. did get through to some of them. You read yes. the Gospels, and there are quite a few, a not insignificant number of Pharisees right. that actually were following Jesus yep. secretly mm -hmm. because they were so afraid of the uh, yeah. the jerks that they had to work with every day. Right, right. And <laughs> uh, and even just what we learned from Jesus' character, you know, he didn't he didn't buy a mattress from somebody. Uh, or at least not in a modern retail context that we that we would consider probably, but his whole character suggests love, and we need to lead with that. Mm -hmm. And I think if we would more often, then I think that would revolutionize how people see Christians uh, around the world, around the country. But anyway, um, we'll end it there. Consider these things, folks. Go out and do them. We would love to hear examples either in your own life or that you've seen people who have really put the golden rule into into effect in their everyday living. And boy, you know, write to us, email us, uh, shoot us a Facebook message, whatever you want to do. Go to deceptionofdna.com, leave a message for us there or, or uh, hit the email link and just tell us because we want to see how these things are being played out. And while you're doing that, feel free to leave comments about any of the episodes you see, ask questions, challenge us, just do it in a way that uh, that you would want to be challenged. And do it the way you would want to be treated. 
And we'll do our best to ins- assume positive intent on yes. your part as well. Yes, we will. Right. And uh, if you could do one last thing for us, folks, and that is uh, if you could rate this these podcasts on pod on iPods or, or excuse me, on uh, iTunes. Apple, iTunes. That's the one. Yeah, see. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it is, uh, not just because we like to see big numbers. It's because we want other people to find this podcast because we do believe that we can help other people be more Christ-like in their everyday interactions, and that's our goal. So thank you very much. Have a great night. Thanks, Josh, again for your insight and your conversation. Thank you, Brian. Living Beyond Your Memes is a production of Truth Love Media and Discipleship DNA. Editing by EC Productions. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get in touch with Brian LaCroix at discipleshipdna.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you in the next episode.